0: So what kind of surplus do you have in your budget, Nicole?
1: Uh, Do I have to
2: say?
0: Mm, You don't have to say, but you probably should. It's probably about the same as what I have, honestly, which is to say that I think it would fit in like my first grade backpack. But it's too bad that we're not the state of California.
1: Yeah, I'd like to know the secret to getting an extra $100 billion in the bank.
0: Well, stay tuned because we're going to reveal it.
1: Welcome to California State of Mind from Cal Matters and Cap Radio. I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento.
0: I'm Nigel Duara in Los Angeles. Recalls, recalls, recalls. There's an East Coast publication, which we won't name, that says California has quote unquote recall fever.
1: Yeah, our governor is getting recalled, Nigel, haven't you noticed?
0: Well, other people are too. Down here where I live in L.A., a councilwoman who just got elected is getting recalled. She's facing questions from the right, which is the right in Los Angeles, which is still the left for most of the country. But these aren't the only two folks facing recalls, are they?
1: No, I have noticed a lot of recall efforts going up against school board members all over the state. After California's year of distance learning, a lot of parents are not happy after this school year.
0: Whew, man, a lot of people need to take out their anger, their pandemic anger and angst. They got to find an outlet for it.
1: Totally. And also, I think that a lot of people are emboldened by this Gavin Newsom recall and seeing that it will probably go to the ballot.
0: Oh, boy, we got to do this now, huh? Tell me something, Nicole, since you do watch this, who's running against Newsom?
1: There's still no big name Democrats out there. It's a pretty crowded field. On the right, we've got um, Kevin Faulkner, the former San Diego mayor, John Cox, who had the bear, which we talked about on the show a few weeks ago. There's Caitlyn Jenner, there's a Republican lawmaker named Kevin Kiley who now says that he's considering going into the race and he's kind of seen as a hero of the right up here in Northern California. He and a a Republican colleague actually sued Newsom for overstepping his emergency powers and he said that he's going to take that all the way to the state Supreme Court. And also there's an adult film star who ran in the recall last time and who is running again this time as a no party preference candidate. So it should be a fun few months. See who else jumps in. Well, speaking of pandemic angst and confusion, there is a lot of it out there ahead of California's grand reopening next week, and we're going to talk about this with Emily Hoven. She's the wizard behind What Matters, the Cal Matters Daily Newsletter. So glad you could join us, Emily.
2: Thanks for having me. I love doing it.
1: Okay, so the big date around these parts is coming up fast, June fifteenth. That is supposed to be the grand reopening of California. We're all going to graduate from pandemic schools and throw our masks in the air. Except we're not sure that that's really what's going to be happening. Right, Emily? What is actually happening on June 15th?
2: I feel like a lot of it is still kind of up in the air to a certain extent. Um, when When it comes to throwing masks in the air... Only some of us are going to really be able to do that. Um, the California Workplace Safety Agency last week passed rules that essentially require employees in a lot of contexts to keep wearing masks in the workplace. And they're actually meeting again this week and later on, and they may end up changing things, but it was, to underscore how confusing it was, they actually first decided not to pass the rules. And then hours later, they reversed their own course and passed the rules. And they were like, wait, what are we voting on again? But it was their own, it was their own rules. So I think for a lot of people, you know, even in the government, it's really confusing and state agencies are asking for clarification. Like, do we have to start holding in-person meetings or can we continue having them online? And so it'll be interesting to see like, if that gets ironed out <laughs> in the next week before everything starts to
0: reopen when this pandemic started the governor was accorded or accorded himself a set of emergency powers and it's got to be really tough for him now to be giving that up i guess i mean he's just gonna just shirk it off and, and let those powers go and end the state of emergency right yeah oh no oh he's not
2: no he's not oh, no not wow. at all
0: <laughs> please tell me more about that
2: this was part of the confusion around, I think, the messaging of the reopening, because the reopening is separate from this state of emergency, which is what he declared back in March last year when everything was like going crazy. Um, So the state is, quote unquote, reopening on June 15th. But the governor did say last week he's going to keep that state of emergency declaration in place. And his rationale that he gave for that was to just be able to keep pulling down certain federal funding and like, you know, suspend certain rules to just expedite certain processes. But when he made that comment, obviously with the recall looming, you had a lot of the GOP saying, Oh my gosh, like Newsom's trying to consolidate his emergency power. And a lot of people, even Democrats have been railing on the governor for the past year for basically doing like hundreds of things unilaterally with very little oversight. And it's actually interesting because in the budget proposal that Newsom had, he was proposing extending his emergency budget authority through 2022. I will throw
1: in here that I um, talked with the legal affairs secretary for Governor Newsom about all of this and, you know, why keep a state of emergency? What does it actually mean? There are a lot of more like menial at this point, day to day reasons to keep that, she said, like. You know, the vaccination program is based on this state of emergency and testing and all of these things we've been relying on for the past year. The fact that pharmacy techs can administer vaccines when normally they wouldn't be able to. So that's a reason that um, the administration is uh, saying that they want to keep the state of
2: emergency going. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's all these like little logistical things that we don't realize have to happen behind the scenes in order to run certain programs that will help them continue to do that. And she also pointed out that um, it's
1: normal in regular disasters, you know, fires and earthquakes for a state of emergency to linger for years sometimes. Like she pointed out that the the campfire state of emergency is still in place because they're still working on the recovery there. But, you know, I asked, hey, a year from now, could we still be in this coronavirus state of emergency? And she was like, well, it kind of depends on what's going on but I guess we'll see there like you know like you said Emily with with great power comes great responsibility to show for it but um let's get back to June 15th because this is coming up there's a lot of confusion about what's actually going to change and I think the biggest one is that there's capacity limits you know this blueprint the t- colored tier system um is going away so All these capacity limits that we've had on um, restaurants and stores and all of those things, that Will end, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, they're going to, the red, purple, orange, all that stuff is (laughs) the rainbow. (laughs) Yeah. That whole thing is going to disappear. And I think it's going to be a really, in a lot of ways, a really abrupt transition because I mean, for so long, you know, going out to a restaurant and you've had to have this like empty table next to you, you know, when you're out there for the six feet of separation. And that's just going to totally disappear. For me, the capacity limits being eliminated really raises the question of are, is that going to hold for schools as well? Because you're seeing with this upcoming school fall reopening negotiation in Los Angeles, for example, the largest school district. It's sort of unclear if the teachers union there may push to keep that six feet of separation in the classroom. And if they did, um, that would, you know, limit a lot of the, it would limit the amount, amount of kids that can be in the classroom at one time. And so is there going to be some exceptions um, when it comes to schools and other areas as opposed to just businesses?
0: Um, we are on a politics related podcast and we have to talk about the budget. Emily. What's going on? What's happened in the last month? And what's going to happen?
2: Yeah, these are these are big and important questions. So, you know, lawmakers and the governor right now are in the midst of negotiating a final budget deal. They both put out their individual proposals. And I think because of the fact that California is swimming in money, the negotiations are a little less intense than they normally would be. Because like when you have a lot of money, it's easier to kind of make everyone happy as opposed to like when you don't have a lot of money and you have to kind of figure out how to disperse it among um a lot of different programs. So they have to pass a budget by uh June fifteenth. Um I, I think by and large they're mostly aligned. And, you know, once they pass it, it will just go into effect and then there will be a whole host of other trail like bills that can come afterward that could amend the budget um for other programs.
0: So during the last economic you know, recession, the, the, the Great Recession, um, everyone, every state was talking about what to cut. This time, lawmakers seem like they're debating how to spend money. How are you seeing those priorities kind of aligning themselves leading up to June 15th?
1: The way that lawmakers have described it is they finally have the chance to actually fund a lot of things that have been priorities for a really long time like transitional kindergarten for every four-year-old, like expanding Medi-Cal coverage to undocumented seniors. These are things that have been talked about for a long, long time, but with this huge surplus, those are the kinds of priorities that they're finally cheering that they get to fund. All- the question is, will we have a larger budget in years to come, and will these things be able to continue?
0: We're talking about reopening kind of partially, mostly a little bit. Are you guys ready? Like mentally to go out and do things like going to a baseball game or just sitting close to people or eating inside of a restaurant that's full?
1: Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think I am ready to do a lot of those things. The thing I'm not ready to do is get ready for work every single day and commute to the office. Because as much as I like have complained
2: about working from home, there are some nice things about it. I would have to say I'm actually pretty similar to Nicole where I, I'm pretty ready to like resume my, my social life, which I, which I need to build in Sacramento <laughs> having kind of just moved here last year. But the office I do think will be the challenge because now that I've adopted a cat and like have kind of set up my own routine at my apartment. It is convenient in a lot of ways. Now I'm like, I have to get ready. I have to, you know, pack a lunch. Like that is such a hurdle for me mentally It's like packing a lunch. Um, but at the same time, I am excited to go back in the office. It's great to see people. So hopefully we'll kind of just all get back into the into the swing of things. How about you, Nigel?
0: Uh, no, I live uh, less than a mile from Dodger Stadium. And uh, a friend and I will kind of talk about it and look at tickets online and then say, oh, I don't know. I don't think I can do this. And then we'll look at it again a week later. Yeah, we're going to do it. Then it comes down to it. No, I don't think so. So we're working on it, probably like a lot of people. But uh, the actual idea of going out and sort of reintegrating society right away, uh -uh. no, 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 no way. Um, For for non-politically involved people like myself and for two of you guys who are very, very plugged in, what are you watching until and around June 15th. Of course, we talked about these sort of major things. Is there anything else you guys have your eye on that could be really big news in a little bit that no one may be watching right now?
2: Something I'm looking at um, is sort of this, (laughs) the recall election, because actually with the June 15th, this is another June 15th deadline, not the reopening one, but the budget deadline. Um, If they include in the budget, An allocation for the counties to conduct the recall election that could be a signal that the election will be happening earlier in the year, um, not in November, but maybe in September, maybe even August. And so that's something that I'm keeping an eye on because I do think in this upcoming recall election, timing is going to play a really big role in the outcome and in terms of how long people have to campaign, how long they have to run ads, how long different candidates have to enter. Um, and so that's something that I'm kind of keeping my eye, eye on. And because the reopening and the recall may or may not affect each other i just think that's something that's really interesting and gonna see what's going on with that
1: well emily hoven thank you so much for joining us
2: thank you so much for having me so
1: nigel after we taped with emily the agency that oversees workplace safety in california voted to go back to the mask rules from november Which means that every employee will have to wear a mask, whether they're indoors or outdoors, whether they're social distanced. And they'll have to keep those masks on for a couple weeks after California's supposed, I guess, big reopening.
0: I don't think I definitely don't get it. I don't even think honestly that they get it. But I guess fine. It makes total sense. Okay.
1: Well, they said that they're going to update those rules on June 17th. But this is weird because it was two months ago that the state picked June 15th as their reopening date. And at the time, they said it would give them a lot more time to plan. But here we are a few days before this big reopening and no one has any idea what they're supposed to be doing.
0: Coming up, what exactly is a budget surplus? How does the fifth largest economy in the world suddenly find itself with the rainy day fund to beat all rainy day funds? Stay tuned for more California State of Mind. It's California State of Mind from Cap Radio and Matters. I'm Nigel Duara.
1: And I'm Nicole Nixon. Okay, here's a fun game. What would you do with an extra $100 billion?
0: If I had $100 billion, you would never see me again. You would never want to see me again. But really, how much time do we have? Let's talk about practical stuff that could actually happen. As most folks have probably heard by now, that's the question that's facing California. The state's trying to decide how to spend this very big, quite large, enormous surplus coming out of a global pandemic. But how on earth did we get a huge surplus in the middle of a pandemic? Things have not been great.
1: Yeah, did we send a bunch of surfers in an Uber to Fort Knox?
0: Did we knock on Mark Zuckerberg's door and ask him politely for the entirety of his personal fortune, give it to me?
1: Did the state win a showcase showdown on The Prices Right?
0: Uh, did we? You know what? Never mind. We don't have to do this anymore.
1: Yeah, no. Well, to try to make sense of where all this extra money is coming from and what makes it so extra, we're joined by Laurel Rosenhall and Ben Christopher of Cal Matters. Welcome. Happy to be here.
3: Hey, thanks for having us.
1: Okay, so before we start, I just want to put this number: one hundred billion in context that's the size of governor newsom's like california comeback plan and i just don't think that people pause enough to appreciate the difference between a million and a billion so i heard this analogy when i was younger and it stuck with me for years so if we think about this in terms of distance one millimeter say that's one dollar is the width of your pinky and a million millimeters is a kilometer. That's about four city blocks. But a billion millimeters is 600 miles. Just think about the difference between those. That's 600 miles is about weed, California. near you're the very top of the state all the way down to Los Angeles. So 100 billion. You're making that drive 100 times. This number is just staggering <laughs> to me. <laughs> That's really big. <laughs> so it is. Even in California. Exactly. That's just the size of this state's. Surplus, Maybe we'll get to that. But okay, now that we appreciate the size of 100 billion, some people are saying the surplus isn't really that big, Ben, right? What's going on here?
3: It kind of depends on what you mean by surplus not to be that guy. But unfortunately, it kind of comes down to semantics a little bit. One way to think about what a surplus is, is just the amount of money that the state is projected to get minus the amount it had planned to spend. Um, last year. And and looking at that giant difference, it is that $100 billion mark. It's the drive from weed to LA a hundred times or whatever it is. So that's one measure. Um, But $27 billion of that does come from the federal government and these various uh, aid packages, COVID relief packages that we've seen. And so if you want to just look at how much the state is taking in from its own tax base and um, its spending, then that surplus is $76 billion, which is still a very, very large number. But the state also is required to spend about half of that on various things like public education. Um, that's part of the state constitution. It also has to set aside money to pay down some of its debts and to shore up its rainy day fund. And so if you take all of that mandatory spending away and look just at how much extra cash the state has to throw around at important things, uh, then you're looking at 38 billion, a lot smaller than 100 billion, but still a very, very large number. I
1: wonder what that is in difference in uh, miles. <laughs> just kidding.
3: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe LA to Fresno. Uh,
1: does the, I mean, it sounds like it's just like a a difference in definition. Does the does this really matter the size of like the the full surplus versus just the discretionary surplus?
3: You know, I, I think we can just sort of we can leave it with there is a lot of money that the state has to spend on programs to um, deal with COVID, the economic uh, impact of COVID, and various other issues that are facing the state, whether it's homelessness or wildfire or drought. Uh, and whether you're looking at 100 billion or 38 billion, it's an unprecedented uh, chunk of change.
1: Well why is this so big? It's such a huge reversal from last year. We were in the throes of the pandemic and the recession and lawmakers were talking about a 54 billion dollar. Deficit. So, Laurel, what's with this giant pendulum swing? Where is all this extra money coming from this year?
4: A lot of it has to do with the fact that the pandemic has just created so much uncertainty across the economy, not just in California, but just generally speaking, right? So, when they planned the budget last year, the sort of accounting officials at the state were expecting a recession that was going to be much more broad based than what it turned out to be. And the thinking then was that, you know, we were heading into a recession, there was going to be this, you know, loss of of tax revenue and, you know, lots of pain, economic pain across the economy. And in fact, what's happened is that this pandemic has created a very lopsided impact economically where the people who have lost their jobs and Um, suffered the most or folks who work in the service sector who didn't have a super strong income to begin with, and at the in, in, at the same time, people who um, you know are already wealthy, who make a lot of money on the stock market, who um, have white collar jobs that they could pivot to a work from home format pretty easily, those folks continue to do very well, um, make a make a lot of money on the stock market, and and therefore pay a lot of taxes, and so um, and so basically because the Economic impacts of the pandemic were not accurately predicted a year ago. Um, the budget situation now is just different, and so part of the reason that it seems to be this big change is just because what they forecast then was more um, was was more economic pain than what came to be for the wealthy people who who pay the most taxes in our state. Well, how does this? number or a 100
1: billion dollars or whatever the surplus is how does it play into the entire state budget like is it just that we have 100 billion dollars more than the you know 200 about billion we were expecting about a year ago or whenever they start making these forecasts ben <laughs>
3: Yeah, so, so this turns out to be actually kind of a surprisingly complicated question, uh, and it gets kind of weirdly metaphysical after a while. But I think the way that you might be able to think about what the surplus actually is, is, and this was a, a, an analogy that um, someone at the legislative analyst's office gave to me when I called and said, wait, what is a surplus? Um, they said, you know, if, if this year the state legislature decided to like go on holiday, like we're going to take 2021 off, we're not going to put any new programs into place, we're just going to put everything, all the spending and revenue on autopilot and leave it as it was in 2020. And how much money would we have left over? And the answer is $76 billion plus the 27 from the federal government.
1: Good to know. I want to go back to something you said, Laurel, about how wealthier earners pay a lot more in taxes. Do Californians generally benefit from this progressive tax structure?
4: I guess that depends on uh, which Californians and how they feel about paying taxes. Um, The reality is that we do have a structure where um, the, the, the wealthiest Californians pay the vast majority of the taxes, um, that people who make less money pay a lower rate and then it's that lower rate on a lower amount of money. So it's, it's just not very much. Um, and that, uh, the, the fact that the, those people are doing well this year means that, you know, the, the governor and the legislature are putting together these plans to spend their tax dollars on programs and services that benefit those people who were harmed in the pandemic. So these, um, you know, Golden State stimulus payments that they've been talking about, um, you know, an expansion of health care that they've been talking about, expanding food aid. I mean, all of those things are ways to take tax dollars paid by people who are making a lot of money and use them to help Californians who don't have as much the other part that that goes along with this hand in hand is is that um, when when rich people are not doing well in California, when the top stock market tanks, or when there is a recession that hurts people who are at the top of the income spectrum, you know, then we just don't have as much money for government services and we don't have as much money to help people who are needy. And so usually if the rich people are hurting, the needy people are hurting too. So that that is sort of the other side of the coin of this progressive st- tax structure is that there's the potential for it to just be extremely volatile and, um, and not have money when 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 the rich folks are doing um, are doing not as well, And that's when you get into sort of the creation of the Rainy Day fund and some other things that California did to try to prevent those sort of really enormous swings that have been very difficult in some past recessions. How easy it is to forget the bad
1: times when you're in the midst of these very, very good times, right? Exactly. <sighs> Well, Laurel Rosenhall and Ben Christopher of CalMatters, thank you so much for being with us and helping explain all of this. Happy to be here.
0: Thank you. So Nicole, we kind of joked about what we do with $100 billion, but come on, man, what would you really do?
1: I would pay off all my debts, which is like a very millennial answer.
0: Man, if you got $100 billion in debt, that's fair. What are you doing with the rest of it? Come on.
1: Okay, I maybe would like build a spaceship even bigger than Jeff Bezos. And I would take my brother and my sister into space. Take that, Jeff Bezos.
0: Take that, Jeff Bezos. Man, like I said, you'd never see me again. I'm going underwater. I'm going Mariana Trench, James Cameron style. You, No one will ever spot me again. As long as I have Wi-Fi, I am going to be great.
1: Can you get Wi-Fi in the Mariana Trench?
0: We're going to find out.
1: With $100 billion, you can do anything.
0: $100 billion, I could do anything.
3: If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Well, I'd buy you a house i would buy you a house and if i had a million dollars if i had a million dollars buy you furniture for your
0: house maybe a nice chester field or an ottoman
1: and that's california state of mind for this week thanks for joining us nigel i hope i see you next time and that you're able to make it from the bottom of the ocean
0: if you don't you'll know why
1: California State of Mind is a collaboration of Cal Matters and Cap Radio.
0: It's edited by Tess Figlin and produced by Jen Picard. Antonio Minez is our engineer.
1: Sally Schilling is our executive producer. Mark Jones is the technical director.
0: Chris Hagen is our digital editor, Margarita Noriega, and Chris Bruno are our masters of marketing. Our social media is run by Emmy Gilbert and Courtney Fong.
1: Nick Miller is editor at Cap Radio, and Joe Barr is our chief of content. Dave Lesher is editor at Cal Matters. Our theme song is Melifera Ligustica by Isaac Joel.
0: Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You'll get notified every Friday of a new episode. That is all for now.
1: Thanks for listening to California State of Mind. See you next week.
0: Support for California State of Mind comes in part from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company and from California Court Appointed Special Advocates.